Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Daryl Slater for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. The Giants are coming off a, a pretty brutal loss, 20-6 to to the Cleveland Browns. Um... Their playoff hopes are slipping away, but they still are there because they're in the NFC East. So at five and nine, they're still very much in it. Though that can change this week uh, if Washington beats Carolina, which is very possible, and the Giants lose to the Ravens, which is also very possible, and their playoff hopes will be over. Um, Daryl, how, how did did you come out of that Browns game thinking any differently than you did coming out of the Cardinals game? No, I mean obviously, <laughs> you know they go into the Browns game uh, against a team that's really good and. Uh, Giants were really shorthanded. The odds were against them, and sure enough, they they didn't even come close to winning. And now, they are in serious trouble in terms of winning this division. And oh, it's just you know, look, probably what we all expected. They're five and nine. Uh, I think if you said at the beginning of the year, will they, you know, maybe they win five six games. Uh, I think seven would have been something that people would have really celebrated. Maybe some people are going to celebrate six, but. Um, yeah, they're about maybe right where you probably thought they would be. I, they just took kind of a weird roundabout way to get there, and they wound up in contention in their division because their division's terrible. So <laughs> that's sort of the long and the short of it for the Giants this year. And uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot for them to win the division. So even I know the math is not difficult, but the reality of it is, it's just it just seems unlikely. But then again, Washington has their own issues going into this. Yep. It, its own issues, I guess, going into this uh, into this game in Carolina. So maybe it's not a shoe in win for Washington. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's it's funny. Like the the journey to this point maybe is not what we expected, but like the destination is what we expected. Yeah. If you like, if you go back and look at, you know, we I think we both did like schedule prediction posts or whatever. I think I probably had them at six and ten, or yeah, I think I had them at six and ten. And you, I think you probably did five or six wins as well, right? Yeah, something like that. I can't. Yeah, remember. so uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, off the top of your head, but. I mean, if you just looked at the schedule, it kind of played out that way. And, you know, that's how they got there. 0 and 5, yeah, 1 yeah. and 7, four straight wins, yep. some hope at 5 and 7, two straight losses. What a weird, uh, you know, you figure 1 and 7, then, then you're then you're going into the toilet there and probably going to be a three win season or a four win season. But they managed to salvage something out of it. And, you know, they, they lose this game maybe, which they probably will. They beat the Cowboys 6 and 10, some hope for the future, and then a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, and and I, I just I mean I guess we can get right into it. So I think one of the the big topics. I mean I I don't think I know 
the like the big topic coming into the year was will Daniel Jones take the next step? Is he their guy? And as you and I have talked about, um, I don't think he's necessarily done anything, both either in his production or his performance or his health, to like say that that you should definitively say that he's their guy going into next year. But you know, their Joe Judge was on uh, on Wednesday at his uh, press conference. He didn't like directly say he's our guy in 2021, but you know, he first he, he was asked like because John Harbaugh earlier in the day had talked about how the aha moment where he knew Lamar Jackson was his quarterback came pretty early on. It was like the second game or something like that. And so he, someone asked Joe Judge, and he's like, I don't know if there was a aha moment, but then he started going into all the details of why he likes Daniel Jones, competitive leader. He's handled everything that we've thrown at him, you know, blah, 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 a lot of coach speak. And then he was directly asked, like, you know, if you can even think for a second about 2021, is Daniel Jones your quarterback in 2021? And Joe Judge said, Daniel Jones is my quarterback or our quarterback. So he, he very easily could have been like, I don't want to talk about next year, what he normally does. And it, it's vague enough that you could interpret it how you want, I guess. But the, the reaction seems to, you know, be that he's he's committed to Jim Jones as his quarterback next year. And, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's it's probably going to come down to Joe Judge liking him or not if he comes back next year, right? Because whether Dave Gettleman is here or not, if Joe, Joe Judge seems to have enough sway at this point that if he was like, I want to draft uh, the BYU kid or whatever, like I, I think they would do it for him. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think I think so. And I think he's probably probably not seen enough of Daniel Jones to know. Um, you got to remember too, Joe Judge. I think he got a six year contract too, so it's not like he has to worry about being two and done. He can kind of take next year and have one more year to evaluate Daniel Jones, and and next year is the big year for this kid, and and and, and the prove it year for year three, like it was for Sam Darnold. Didn't work out for Darnold this year. The Jets are probably moving on, and uh, that could be the case after next year with the Giants. But um, I think to make a decision right now on on whether uh, Jones is is the guy. Uh, probably premature the jury's way out i think it's more likely that he's not i think based on what he's shown um but i suppose there's a chance he could salvage this uh next year and uh potentially with a third offensive coordinator which we've talked about but that was interesting to hear from joe judge i don't know if it was altogether surprising considering how many positive things he said about jones throughout the year um he, he really doesn't publicly criticize players too often but um he's been especially um glowing talking about Jones I, I I would say just having listened to him especially about the, his toughness blah 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 all that stuff so yeah. he really has not he really has not criticized him too much so I, I wasn't entirely surprised by it but like you said he he could have been typically evasive I think he probably realized if he was evasive that's a bigger probably worse yeah that's a bigger headline than if he just says this is our guy well, well I think I think he saw what happened in uh back in April or February or whatever when he refused to say his name and how Everybody in New York, I think, understandably ran with him. It was like, okay, does that mean he doesn't like him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, he was just. I think he learned his lesson on that a little bit. Right. And he was just being so absurdly procedural and robotic with his approach there. But. But in this case, I think it's if they do fire Dave Gettleman and then he sits down with a new GM and they decide they want to go with another quarterback, he has an out because of he he just he didn't really say Jones is our guy for twenty twenty one necessarily and and also like 
this is not like a legally binding statement. Like he can, yeah. he can, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it happens all the time. I think the Cardinals said that Josh Rosen was their guy. So right, and no one remembers that, you know, right? Yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah you forget about it once the the next quarterback comes. He's not going to get get arrested if they draft yeah. a quarterback. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a crime now. So it's not what? like just, it's not like court where like you can't you can't lie. He under just said BS to the media. As coaches do it all the time. It's like they spew, you know, and point. spew and spin, and that they spew and spin all the time to us, like so. I mean, shoot, Dave Gettleman was like, no, no, we wouldn't trade uh, Odell Beckham. We signed, we didn't sign him to trade him. They then they traded him, like so. Although, although it's it's a little different because everybody still talks about that. He said that now, so it's a little different than your point. But. I mean, and that that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, like, you know, some guys, I suppose, care. But I mean, if you're a coach, your job is to win games or whatever. Joe Judge, it's not to like, you know be prophetic in the media, whatever. I mean, like, I don't think he gives a crap, quite frankly, what he says to us. Um, and so, um, but, but yeah, like, I, I think ultimately, like what is going to happen um, if you just read between the words, because a lot of times the words are fairly meaningless, which we were just saying there uh, is they'll, they'll, you know, he'll get another year. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback period at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit off the air, but um like, I don't think it's a sure thing that they should draft a quarterback at all, let alone high, and they're going to have a high pick, yeah. presumably. So, so I guess you can make a case for it, but um, I don't think it's happening. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback anywhere. I mean, they yeah. have so few picks and so many roster holes. So I think there are two sides to this. On that end, I think, you know, you should always be open to, like, getting a better quarterback, I would say. I think the best organizations are, you know, okay, we need to decide, is the guy that we have – are we are we positive that he's going to be like a, a potential star player over the next however many years? Or if there's a guy we have on the board with us right now that we are convinced is going to be the guy wherever he is, like the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen thing. Like if Kyler Murray's not the guy in that draft, maybe they don't pick a quarterback and they still are trying it out with Rosen, who who maybe you know he just got picked up by the 49ers randomly. Um, but I mean, he's they been, had the so it's the fourteen. Pick, but yeah, right? I mean, the so point being, yeah, yeah, if if the guy isn't on the board and you're obsessed with them, yeah. then you kind of get them, and then you figure it out. But but the other side of that is, and this kind of goes back to the Sam Darnold thing, um, regardless of what you think about Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones, uh, I think anyone can admit that, that their GMs and their front offices have not surrounded them with the right talent to where you can like fully evaluate them, yes. regardless. Of, like You could say, I don't think Daniel Jones is ever going to be good, and that's fine, but he also hasn't been surrounded you know, it has been put in position to see just like, I don't think Sam Darnold definitely ever was. Um, and so you're kind of got three years into Sam Darnold and you kind of have to decide now if you want to keep him or not, because you can't really wait any longer, especially if they're going to have the number two overall pick. So um, I think that's kind of the next part of the discussion. Like if Daniel Jones is the guy, they need to go out and prove that they believe that. And they need to surround him with the support. And they need to get him a number one receiver and other weapons. Like don't stop at one receiver be like the chiefs and just add speed everywhere. Like, just get a bunch of weapons for them. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard and Slayton are fine players, but they should be two of a piece of a lot of players. And Evan Ingram, we'll get into him a little later. He's not a Pro Bowl tight end, even, even if he's a Pro Bowl tight end right now. Um, he's clearly not reliable if you just look at the numbers and the eye test. Uh, and the offensive line, like, they need to be sure they find the best five guys out there. It seems like they've already kind of moved on from Will Hernandez because they keep playing Shane. Maybe they're just trying to see what Shane Lemieux is as a rookie down the stretch, but based on the grading, he's been maybe the worst pass blocking guard of the NFL. He had a zero grade last week, which I didn't know was possible. Um, 
I mean, Nick Gates has been up and down. I think they like what they see there, but you need to decide if he's like the guy you want to be your center long-term. Andrew Thomas has been up and down. You know, you need to decide if what you have and Matt Pert is good enough. So you, you need to, number one, improve those weapons. You need to, number two, improve, decide if you have the five best offensive linemen to protect him, which based on their performance at whatever the combination is, it's probably not the right one. And then you need to figure out the right offensive coordinator slash play caller. Um, you need to have a guy who's, who's willing to like, you know, adjust the offense to Jones' skill set as opposed to p- trying to fit Jones into your offense, which is what I think Jason Garrett did based on the fact that they don't throw the ball down the field at all. And Daniel Jones on Pro Football Focus has the best passer rating of any quarterback on passes 20 yards or more, but he only throws it 8% of the time, 20 yards or more, which is like fifth worst, which kind of just shows you the problem here. And, you know, I think part of the discussion is always like, well, you don't want to have a third offensive coordinator in three years. I think the way you can – avoid that is by just promoting Freddie Kitchens if you think he's good enough because then in theory it's a guy that's already in the building he knows how Daniel Jones thinks they've had a relationship already so if if they replace Jason Garrett the best path is probably Freddie Kitchens but I still think they should be open to like bringing in a smart mind if there's someone out there like, what, what do you think about all definitely. that right I think they definitely should be open to that there. I mean we, we were just talking last week about Freddie Kitchens like unimpressive track record in Cleveland last year and I know he didn't have a lot to work with in that game on 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 Sunday night, but it's not like he did anything particularly impressive there. I know it's one game with Colt McCoy, so you can't read too much into that, but I think they should definitely be open to <clears throat> adding some kind of um, young up and coming mind. Um, you know, not that Freddie kitchens kitchens is old, but in terms of an outside presence and yeah, it would be another new offense for Daniel Jones. Um, I don't know how, you know, presumably you hope you think you'd hope it would be different, a different offense because what they're doing right now is not good. Yeah. Not working. You mentioned they're not playing to his strengths, obviously throwing the ball down the field. So I think some of that ties into uh, when the line gives him protection, uh, he's able to do it, but you know, you know, when they don't, you know, he's not, if that makes sense. Right. So it's chicken and egg type stuff. Why doesn't he throw the ball down the field so much? Well, some of it's how much they're calling it, but you think if you put yourself in Jason Garrett's head, you know, just playing devil's advocate is like, okay, the line is so terrible, but you know, we can't do that too often. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think that the, the talent is an issue on offense. They do have to surround him with pieces. Um, it's probably easier said than done. It's definitely easier said than done because they're middle of the pack and cap space. And, um, you know, they don't have a, a, a great, amount of draft capital. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're 10th in those tankathon draft power rankings, which will obviously change because the draft position changes. Um, but they only have, uh, what we say, we've said it before six picks, I think, uh, because they picked up the extra one in the Marcus golden trade, uh, late round pick. So y- y- what are you going to, you know, you're going to get a bunch of speed receivers. I get it, you know, but you get a guy in the fifth round, he may or may not be ready. Uh, he may or may not be capable um, but they, but I think overall, and what your point, your point's a good one in that they need to, they need to, uh, and we did a whole story on this earlier in the year and we talked to, was it, I forget the guy who said it, maybe Mark Schlereth, uh, or Jeff Schwartz or somebody was talking about how you look at what other teams do, like, um, like the Niners, for instance, or, or the chiefs, and they get guys who maybe aren't like complete receivers, but just have like game-breaking speed who can really take the top off a of defense and then you you just figure out how to use them they don't have to be a pure complete receiver but you can't you can't teach that type of speed right so the giants don't have that right now they really don't um and so that's what they need to get they need to get someone who could take the top off a of defense and i guess you know darius slayton can kind of be that guy but um they're gonna have to be smart whoever the gm is of how they spend their money in terms of 
giving Daniel Jones help and, and how they use their draft picks because they don't have an infinity amount of both and not, you know, they don't have a large amount of, of, of draft capital or, um, or uh, cap space to use. So those are mitigating factors. And those are definitely, if they fire their GM, definitely mitigating factors in terms of the GM search and how appealing this job will be. And I had a thing coming out later this week on that, comparing all the GM openings with, with about as, you know, quasi scientific as we can get with some rankings. So um, yeah, it's a tough spot, regardless of who the GM is. It's not the toughest spot in the league in terms of getting this thing fixed, but it's not, it's not easy. Not like they're the Jaguars with a ton of cap space and the number one pick. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in, like with the cap space thing, the interesting thing is, you know, so they don't have a, you know, a large amount of free agents they have to worry about. They have three in particular that they're only going to be able to keep one or two of them if they want to add anybody, pretty much. Like, so it's Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Logan Ryan. Um, and it, they all have, like, interesting cases as, like, they sh- it, this should be a guy you keep for various reasons. Whether, if it's because of cost, you probably don't want to keep Leonard Williams because he's going to be the most expensive by a long shot out of those three. But he's also the most talented. I think we would both agree. So you know, he's if he costs eighteen million a year, maybe you can get the cap hit down in the first year, so it's less. But that that right there is just that's gonna basically hogging up all the cap space you open up by cutting like Golden Tate and a few of those veteran guys. So that that gets drained right there. Then you need to decide you want to bring Logan Ryan, who, who bring back Logan Ryan, who's been you know crucial to the leadership of this locker room. But you also did this draft Xavier McKinney. Then there's Dalvin Tomlinson. Do you really want to invest that much in the two guys who primarily their strength lies in run stopping on the defensive line? Right. And how much you want to spend on Logan Ryan if he's not going to be a starter type player and he's going to have interest elsewhere, going to drive up his price, blah, blah, blah. So you really have to balance that with get, you know, so you're, if you let those guys go, the reality is you're getting worse at maybe two positions. Yeah. But you also are turning around and you either spend that money on a wide receiver and it's a very deep free agency class. A wide, like, I was looking at recent years, like, there's never been a wide receiver class like this. There's all, there's usually like one, one guy that you're like, okay, that guy is a number one receiver. Usually it's receivers that get overpaid into being number ones, like a golden Tater, Tyrell Williams from uh, 2019. Um, I forget. I, I had the list, but like, it, it's, it's like shocking how receivers don't really hit free agency a lot. It seems like, and this year, you know, you have Kenny Galladay. I mean, I guess in theory, they don't won't maybe won't all hit free agency, but Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, Juju Smith Schuster, Chris, uh, Chris Godwin, Corey Davis, and then like the next tier guys of like T.Y. Hilton, Marvin Jones, A.J. Green. Like there, there's like so many options that the Giants have no excuse. Whether you go for one of those top end guys or you get one of the the lower end and get another business need, and then the other one they need as a pass rusher, I think is the most glaring need. Maybe they have and a number two corner. Maybe I think you could probably draft that and hope you don't get another DeAndre Baker. Um, but yeah, I mean, so they they pretty much are gonna have to decide. Okay, do we want to use our first round pick on a receiver, a corner, or an edge rusher, and then do we want to spend all of our money on the 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 one that we don't want to draft in the first round? There, and you're gonna kind of be able to figure out what their draft plan is based on more than most. I think if there's one positive going into this offseason, if you could say that, I think their needs are so clearly defined that they can just focus on those those like three or four areas, and you know, and just develop the rest of the roster in theory, and you know, maybe su- supplement it in the draft. I don't, I don't think they need to go crazy and sign, you know, a bunch of guys at a bunch of positions. They, they should invest most of their money in those pretty much those three spots. I'd yeah, they, they, they maybe they, they can. Thing. I mean, they don't have enough. They got eighteen million in cap space, and yeah, they can yeah. free up some. And I, yeah, maybe we got to go back and revisit those posts I mean, that we did. I guess, I guess in theory, up, and I guess yeah. in theory, you could like extend guys like Blake Martinez and Bradbury and make their cap hit smaller or something like that. Like the, there's ways of being creative. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, so 
they're going to have to thread the needle a little bit. Whoever the GM is, they're going to have to thread this thing and um, and and try to make that and try to make it work. And but I mean, the, the the receivers you rattled off there, I think you know the one thing that pe- people need to remember, and it almost goes without saying at this point, is some of those guys could be franchise tagged. I think PFF did a yep. thing on Kenny Galladay in particular. Uh, they projected the Giants to sign him if he's not franchise tagged, but that that's a big if because um, that that's certainly a possibility with him and, and some of those other guys you mentioned too. I, I, Will yeah. Fuller played on the franchise tag this year, maybe though, right? So I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there, but um, anyway, AJ Green did, I think, but yeah, well, and he, that backfired because he's, like he's he's aging. He's like a million years old, and he has like one and a half legs. Yeah. So I don't think he's the answer. <laughs> so Dave Gettleman, sign him, sign me up. I'll give okay. Dave Gettleman. I'll give him sixteen million a year. So. <laughs> hey, he was good a couple. He was good like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right, we can let's bring it back to this season. Um, Beyond the Daniel Jones. So by the way, it seems like Jones actually might be on track to return this week if there's no setbacks. Um, he was practice. He was the, he took the first team reps in practice. Uh, I mean, it still is two injuries. I think the hamstring injury is the one that's healed up more. The ankle injury is more recent, so I think that's one to keep an eye on. But it seems like he's trending in the direction of playing, which obviously with him coming back and Bradbury coming back, uh, that that obviously gives him a better chance of competing than yeah. they did the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's but, Wednesday right now as we're recording this, so tomorrow Thursday will be big. Big day for him, Daniel Jones, for for the progress of coming back from this thing. But it, it's possible you're limited on when you're limited on Wednesday. That's that's a good sign. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, so the big news from this week uh, had to do with the Pro Bowl. You should not even like like the Pro Bowl stuff is so like over talked about. But there, this was like such a surprise to me that I feel like we should talk about it a little bit at least. So I think we went into the Pro Bowl selection thing assuming that the Giants would get two guys. Um, they got two guys. It wasn't the two that we expected. James Bradbury made it. That that was a lock. I mean, he's been one of the best corners in the NFL. I thought Leonard Williams would make it. He has not made it. But Evan Ingram made it as one of four tight ends in the NFL to make the Pro Bowl. Um, for like background on it, I guess the NFC, George Kittle and Zach Ertz both missed most of the season so far. So that kind of eliminated two prospects in the NFC. Tight ends have been great. There were still a few that deserve, have better numbers than Ingram and deserved more. I mean, he, he made his first ever Pro Bowl in a year where he's second among all tight ends and drops. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, quarterbacks have a 60 rating when throwing to him and five interceptions on the season when they target him, which is just an insane number. Five. Um, and, you know, he's kind of been the story. We've talked about, like, how up and down he is. Like, the fact that this dude is one of their two Pro Bowlers when they have, you know, Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez, Graham Gano, and Leonard Williams, who all have numbers of Pro Bowlers. And they don't make it. I mean, another year when there's actual alternates, they probably would have. But there's no alternates this year because there's no actual game. But like, what? What? what I know. I text. I broke the news to you. What, like, what? What do you think when I texted you that that I was joking? Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I mean, I didn't think you were you were joking. It wouldn't. Have been, it's not even really a funny joke. It's yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's just like it's, a, like, it's oh. a Mike. It's a Mike K joke, as they say. Yeah, there you. It, 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 I don't even know if he could aspire to such. But uh, <laughs> hey, gotcha. Okay, great. I'm gonna get on my night. Thanks. But uh, so uh, yeah, look, I, I yeah, I mean, you talked about the mitigating factors of why he why he was selected. I mean, the other NFC tight ends were, were banged up. It's down year for the position in the conference, but still, I mean, come on. Like the guy is, the guy's had a bad year. He's had an objectively bad year. I think the the one thing that you, you mentioned when we were texting about it, that put him over the top probably is he's, he's got some good yardage numbers. And, and when you look at the pro bowl vote, it's one third fans, I think one third players, one third coaches. 
or yeah. GMs are somehow involved. I think it's coaches, yeah. Anyway, like I think all of those people have, uh, first of all, like the fans for the most part just look at the numbers, right? And then a big city guy like a big market guy like Evan Ingram probably gets a little boost there. Okay, whatever. Uh, like the coaches and players aren't spending time like taking this very seriously. Yeah. I wouldn't think they're not going on pro I mean, football. Just, just look at that. Just look at the NFL top 100 list that comes out every year. Like I've seen players fill that out. They're like, oh, I'll just put like a like a bunch of guys that I'm cool. Yeah, with. I mean, I'm these guys have like I knew. Can you blame them? They literally have better things to yeah. do. It's like getting called. <laughs> By uh, you know, in the info, you know, uh, you know, pollster or whatever, or someone that. Goes, <laughs> do you have time to take the survey after you hang up with your health insurance? Or like the Nielsen rating thing or whatever. Right, I, I would love to be called by Nielsen. Never been called by Nielsen, but like, <laughs> yeah. So it's something you don't put much time or effort into. You just kind of wing it. Um, and again, these guys have better things to do with their time than fill out than spending hours researching Pro Bowl votes. Like who? Can- yeah. So so you, so you click sort by yards. You see Evan Ingram is second exactly. among tight ends in the NFC in yards. Thirty seconds. Sec- second in receptions. All right, let's do it. Right. Yeah. No one's doing it based on like digging deep into the PFF stuff or whatever. So, and yeah. and again, the you wouldn't necessarily even expect them to because they have so much other more important stuff to focus on. And uh, yeah, the Pro Bowl doesn't ultimately mean that much, but. Um, He's unless I guess you have a a clause in your contract where you get a yeah. bonus for the Pro Bowl. Logan, Logan Ryan missed out on five hundred thousand. That's right, because he had a very incentive. That's a great point. Very incentive laden yeah. contract. Um, and, and, I, he, and he had been leading in voting up until fan voting up until the very end. And I and I think there was like a report about like someone from the Giants beat. I think Duggan. Um, he like tweeted some of the like where they finished. I think Logan Ryan finished second in fan voting at free safety. So. He was like right there and he did like, imagine being that close to that. I mean, these guys make a lot of money, but I, I'm just picturing like being that close to making it and not getting yeah, it. Yeah. Half a million dollars. I mean, what does he have? Like a $7 million contract this year. So a half million yeah. is, a, is one fourteenth of that. I mean, that's not a small amount or maybe I did the math wrong, but whatever. So it's still <laughs> uh, a good amount of money. So yeah, look, I, he, Evan Ingram did not deserve to make a pro bowl. And I asked you this over a text when we were talking about it. How many pro? How many guys have made straight up made the Pro Bowl? Like not alternate, but like been put into the Pro Bowl like as a first string guy, and then got cut the next offseason. Not traded, cut because that's possible for him if the Giants don't want to pay him his fifth year option money next year, which is not an enormous figure, but um, he's not had a good year, and he's obviously he doesn't seem like I shouldn't say obviously he doesn't sure doesn't seem like a long term solution for them. So. Um, Imagine that if he gets cut. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's sort of salvaged enough that I don't think he will. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they would cut him. Um, and I'm like, they probably can convince themselves with maybe a different offensive coordinator. Yeah, maybe they, that guy can scheme him up or whatever. It's yeah. not a yeah. huge number, right? It's like eight yeah. million or six, six point eight or something. Whatever. Yeah, I think it's like six or something. Six. Yeah, it's in the sixes. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. But so if you're into the Pro Bowl, which isn't actually happening this year, so. Yeah, which is funny because there's a lot of guys. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, guys like Ingram in their first one. It's not even. Uh, they're not even able to go to it. Well, they um, were only missing out on a trip to what Orlando because they don't even. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Sunny yeah, Orlando, not, not in Hawaii anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, before we go, we should talk about this game on uh, Sunday a little bit. Um, so the Ravens, I don't have their record in front of me. They are a they are a good team. Obviously, I think they've really picked it up lately. Uh, they beat the Browns the week before the Giants lost to them, and they scored like 48 points in that game. Lamar Jackson, I think, has started to play better. He doesn't really pass the ball well. So the, the Giants, like in terms of their strength against strength, 
Like they're a good run stopping team. They did a pretty good job against the Browns against the run, but Baker Mayfield just lit them up. Um, I think Baker Mayfield's probably a better pure passer than Lamar Jackson. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see like if they can, even Logan Ryan even said this, uh, which, you know, he's obviously, he's always frank with us, which is refreshing because he, he's pretty much like the Ravens are built to have a lead and they kind of struggle when you have, when they have to come back. I, I don't, I don't imagine the Giants offense being very capable of scoring on the Ravens defense, which is kind of part of the problem. But um, I would say if they, if they can shut down that running game, which is harder with Lamar Jackson factored in, obviously, like, I don't know. I, I, I Looking even before the season, this looked like a bad matchup to me. Um, the Giants, obviously, I mean, the Ravens obviously have significantly more talent. I, I don't really know. I don't really see how the Giants can keep this close unless Daniel Jones, you know, is fully healthy, I guess. But, like, how, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Um, even if Daniel Jones plays, I don't I, I don't see how he's fully healthy. I mean, he's going to have to deal with his ankle injury on top of the hamstring deal. So he missed last week's game. Um, and he was, he was, um, not great the week before in terms of, uh, going out there and, and playing on that thing. And, and he missed the week before that. Right. So <laughs> he hasn't been right. Um, you know, really since they went to Cincinnati and won that game on, uh, what was that? That was, uh, the November the 29th. So he gets hurt in the 29th. He misses, he misses the next week. He's comes back. He's not right. The next week he misses the next week. So you're talking about a month, a month out from the hamstring injury and, and with an ankle injury in between. And so, um, he hasn't really played, he hasn't played a fully healthy game in the last three. And so, um, what's his rhythm going to be like and all that with these guys. So I don't see it. I don't see any way the giants win this game. I really don't. I think their best hope here is to hope, that the Washington, the wheels come off and they, and they lose to Carolina and with the mess that Dwayne Haskins is in, it looks like Alex Smith maybe could play this week though. So there might be a moot point there with Haskins and his nonsense. So um, even still, like I, I, you know, you can't really trust any team in the NFC East to do what they're supposed to do this year. Right. So I guess, it, it, I guess you could see the giants lose and you could see Washington lose and then, you come down to the last week of the season and, and the scenarios get a lot simpler than they are right now because some of these are like pretzel logic scenarios because every team could win, still still win the division. The Eagles could still win the division. So yeah, say, Whoever wins that Eagles-Cowboys game is going to be in pretty good shape if both Washington and the Giants lose. Right, that's basically Especially, a- I mean, yeah, because they both, it's, it's all NFC East teams in week 17. So in theory, if the Cowboys win, then all they have to do is beat the Giants. Uh, in, in the scenario where the Washington and the Eagles, uh, I mean, and the Giants both lose, then the if the Eagles beat the Cowboys, then all I have to do is go beat Washington. So I, I, any of these four teams you can make a case for, I think, right now, which yeah. is kind of the NFC East in a nutshell. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think it's going to, I think ultimately, I think Washington takes care of business this week, especially if Alex Smith plays. And that that should probably put a bow in the Giants season, but it's been such a crazy season that it's really hard to sit here and say, like, the expected is going to happen. But I think in this case it will, so it probably won't. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so what? What's uh, what's your prediction for Sunday? What do you got? Oh man, let me uh, here come up with come up with yours. I, I like to look at what I actually sent for the. Uh, yeah, I, since I since I write the actual our picks post, I wait until the very end to decide. All right, so you so you do yours, and you could just say it now. I want. Right. To- um, you know what? I'm. I think the Giants can keep it close since they are healthy. I don't see them winning it. Um, so I'll say Ravens. 24 giants 17 i must have been in a bad mood on monday when i did these picks 
Well, you also didn't know if Daniel Jones would be healthy or not. On Tuesday, actually, as opposed to every other day when I'm just cheaper. Um, <laughs> Great point. I think oh, Ravens. Wow. <laughs> I think Ravens thirty-eight, Giants seven. Man, you're feeling I real sassy that day, huh? Feeling charitable. Okay, so Daniel Jones plays. I'll trim it. I'll say Ravens thirty-five instead of thirty-eight, and instead of Giants seven, we'll go Giants twenty. How about that? Ravens thirty-five, Giants twenty. Giants. I think that's Jackson and his and his uh, running ability. All right, and I, uh, it's better than <laughs> the complete destruction that you originally predicted. I guess. All right. <laughs> I guess, but... All right. Uh, all right. We can wrap up on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll get you another one. I uh, hope you have a, a Merry Christmas and uh, and we'll get you this next one before the New Year. It's a uh, holiday season. Um, hope you have a good one. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, sign up for our tech service and leave us some reviews. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.